When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alan Davis, you are listening to the Tuesday Club, this is the Arsenal podcast and I've got Damien Harris with me uh, this afternoon, how are you Damien? Hello, very good, thank you very much. Yeah? I've got not a lot to add, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> very good, excellent. Sorry. And Oliver <laughs> Scott is with us, Ollie, how are Hello, you? Hello, hi, I'm, I'm really well, I'm really well, I've had, I've had a very nice day, I went, I went, um, I took my dog for a walk, I went to the, my local shop and bought some wine. And um, yeah, now I'm back talking to you. So you're Not stocked drink- up for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, most people would see it stocking up for for, for the summer. But um, yeah, I got some. <laughs> I, I favour the house. We have a house white here, which is a, a Portuguese wine called Pagoche. Uh-huh. And um, and on the red side, I got some um, some Gamay for me and some uh, Shiraz for my uh, my wife who prefers that. So uh, good work. Yeah. No, it's all is impressive. all is well. Thank you. Was this the content you wanted from me? Sorry, I should have come up with. <laughs> What's in your shopping bag? That, that's that's what this podcast is called now. Didn't you know, <laughs> I bought some fizzy what, Vimto. A can of Vimto. <laughs> Which is not that nice. It only really works with fish and chips, Vimto, I've decided. <laughs> so there you go. I had fish and chips last night. Oh, they're great, aren't they? Fish and chips are great, but we got ours uh, from slightly upmarket chip shop and they make their own curry sauce. Rather than buying it in in a vat from whoever it is who supplies curry sauces to chip shops, they make their own and it's very nice, but it feels like it should be in an Indian restaurant. What you want is that sort of mud brown curry sauce that is familiar to us all yeah from chip shops yeah, around I, the world nothing i hate more than a restaurant that doesn't have tomato ketchup or they make their own ketchup like so it's going to be better than heinz i mean really, really? yeah who do they bit... think they are <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to improve trying to avoid us drinking or, or, or eating a really sugary well over processed yeah. sauce owned by an evil american corporation why would you want to have something nice local and organic hey eh, damien hey i mean i think i'm quite bro? safe knowing knowing that my brother doesn't listen to this i can say that because he'd be quite horrified if i said that damien's brother of course uh listener you may not if you don't know, is a Michelin-starred, self-taught Michelin-starred chef who makes his yes. own salt out of the seawater off the <laughs> yeah. beach at Whitstable, which in itself is controversial. Yeah. I don't know how many students have urinated off that beach, but the answer <laughs> is not one. James, Damien, are they, building, are they building some sort of solar, solar park there? Yes, yes. Uh, so the bit between sort of Seasalter and Faversham, all around Gravney, they are planning a huge solar sort of park, which will mess up the local environment, apparently. Who's they? So, yeah. Uh, they, exactly. The man, 
Um, the man. It's it. It's a big energy company. I. Do you know what? I'm not really hugely up on it, so I feel. Is it, it a public, would be wrong private? To... You might know. No, no. Ollie, you're more up what? on things than Damien. A PPP? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, no, I don't. I just, I, I was talking to, um, I have a friend who lives in Faversham and she, she mentioned it. Ah, um, uh, yes. It was going up that way, but I wasn't sure if it was going as, as far as sea salt air. Wow. No, we're involved in the protest by all accounts. So, but so I haven't been it? back there for four months, obviously. Solar panels? What kind of solar? And uh, I saw so on the, the landscape... Well, I think it just messes up the... So that area, which is all sort of salt marsh, uh, there's quite a lot of wildlife unique to that area. Um, and A lot of migratory so these, birds, I think you'll find. Yes, <laughs> lots of migratory birds. So that, that kind of thing, all these sort of large humming uh, solar panels are going to be quite a problem. So, yeah. Wow. Wow, this is good. This is we're really power, getting we're into local 90, affairs. Homes. <laughs> this is gold, isn't it? And yeah, <laughs> this is gold. And in a minute, we'll talk about the uh, rail time from Ashford to King's Cross, which still blows my mind. Oh, you know, I'm really, I'm really happy to talk about that. Any time, just, just maybe we could just do a podcast just about that. I can't tell you how annoying it is that you can still buy a first class ticket for that train and get on, and there is no first class carriage. I still for that still annoys me. <laughs> I've done I've done that yes. a few times. So you are both on the coast. Uh, before we move on to talk about all things football, Oliver, you got a lot of wine in your shop, but did you get any dog food? Um, I well, my wife went to the supermarket yesterday and she bought dog food then. Uh, but why do you ask? My dog is right here next to me. Is, well, I just is, thought uh, you'd just sort of seem remiss. You take your dog down the off license. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I bought I, I bought some other things in the shop too. I bought some eggs and well um, so no, but the dog food is but not the dog's no dog all food right. shortage. The dog is absolutely fine. He's he's great. He's great, Alan. And do really you wear good. a mask? Do you wear, do you mask up now? No, I've never really masked up. I was given a mask outside our, our local supermarket. Jempsons, which is uh, will be familiar to anybody who's, who's uh, had the, the uh, unpleasant experience of going there. But um, no, not not really a masky place down here. But but um, we've had we've been extremely fortunate to have escaped. Now government advice now is you your mask. You should think about your mask as much as you would think about taking your phone out with you. I think they've got their oh. finger on the pulse there, haven't they? Having said for months. <laughs> That masks don't work, and the key to not getting coronavirus is to wash your hands every fifteen minutes with some acidic bottled bathing fluid. That that it turns out, well, you can do that all you like, but you're still breathing in coronavirus. So when there weren't enough masks to go around, they said, "Oh, masks are rubbish; they don't work." And now there are shed loads of masks. They say, "Please wear a mask, for God's sake. Think of it as more important than your phone." I'm slightly embittered. Are people in London wearing them? In the main, yeah. I mean, you won't be surprised to hear that in London, the people you'd see wearing masks are people who, who of Southeast Asian origin, usually. They were, they were fully masked up in about February, looking at all us uh, lumbering, fat, white people. I think, why don't you people put masks on? Do you not realise there's a lethal pandemic on the loose? Mm. And we were saying, oh, but our government says they don't really work. You look like a mug. <laughs> Stuff like that. Well, I understand that in, in those countries, if you have a cold, it's seen as like a courtesy thing to wear a mask, like just routinely pandemic or no pandemic. So 
I think, yeah, they're, they're literally like, if I've got a bit of a sniffle, I'm going to wear a mask on, on public transport. So while you're it's, getting on a tube... It's considered, it's considered <laughs> rude to infect other people, which I think culturally that's something we could learn from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They really are. Our government is a confederacy of dunces, isn't it? It really is. But it surely is. Surely really is led by a dunce. Now, when the football starts, I think they're supposed to be wearing masks in the stands. And I asked about a couple of friendly matches... I don't know if you've been keeping up to speed with their record in friendlies, but they've played a couple yep. of friendly matches at the Emirates, and uh, people have been seen sitting in uh, Block 32, I think, where we sit with masks. Do you think yeah. that when they when it comes back, they might sort of halve the capacity or something, and so you can only have like instead of instead of the sixty thousand people who are regularly in that stadium, there'll only be <laughs> half of that. So yeah, I mean, they'll yeah. still do, still declare <laughs> the still attendance. Claim. Still be, at 60,000. I, I did hear yesterday that they might try and get a crowd in for the cup final. They're talking about some socially distancing 25,000 attendance they might engineer for the cup final on August the 1st. They can't mm. quite face that showpiece event in total silence. What well, all you can hear is people from the bench going, finish! It's all you can hear when yeah. you listen to finish! Every time someone's in the 18-yard box facing the goal. Did you did you see the CGI of the of the supporters at the whatever the game was in in um, in Germany in La Liga in Germany. Oh, in Spain? No, I haven't seen that. Did it work? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it looked like a computer game. Did you see it, Damien? No, I didn't. Sorry, I wish I could add to that conversation. I'm just hoping that if other people are sitting in row 32, blocks 32, they might sort our seats out. Yeah, the broken seat. Yeah, oh, that it would be Jared quite Clayton. nice. That's that's more my priority. <laughs> one of our very expensive players has gone to sit on our seat and gone, oh, hang about, how do they, yeah. Uh, yeah. We've got amongst our uh, acquaintances over the years, listener, we, we've got one friend who's an impressive unit. I mean, really is up there. <laughs> He's up there with Akin Fawi, isn't he? He's a, he's a good size. He's a good size. A little less mobile. And what's good yeah. fun about him, well, one of the many things we love about him, is that he does. He obviously doesn't know what size he is because none of his clothes fit him. They're all much too small. And the physical effort it must take to get into that garb. And he gets all his gear on. He comes down with a hip flask and a, and a spliff. And uh, sat on a chair and broke it. And he broke it in about the 2007 season, I think. And really, yeah. nothing's been done about it since. The other thing I would like fixed, uh, Arsenal, if you're listening, uh, is the roof leaks above Block 32 and drips down in row uh, 16. So if you could sort that out uh, well, before yeah. we come back. Just a little bit of maintenance, you know. Fix the roof <laughs> while the sun's shining and all that. Yeah. And I, th- I still think those seats need a bit of a new covering. They've sort of gone this sort of the sort of salmon pink uh, rather than that they have, bright they red. They faded in the sun. They have faded in the yeah. sun. Yeah, they kind of gone like the colour of Ollie's trousers. Um, so <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, so some br- brighter red would be Not good. Those trousers. Yeah. Where, are, where yeah. are they now? Those red stripes. They're, they're in. They're, you know what? They're in. They're in a drawer in my bedroom. Aren't they? Yeah. Can you imagine you open that drawer. It's like the scene from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, posh pulp the whole, fiction. The whole room glows red. <laughs> I will wear them. I will wear them next time I see you. Please do. Speaking of rooms glowing red, yeah. um, it's a, a sad occasion. I'm I'm going to have to get rid of my Arsenal toilet. Why? 
Well, we are hoping to move uh, soon. And yeah. so we will be renting out this house. And um, the toilet needs a bit of a zhuzh, uh, I think the technical term is. So, yeah, so we are... We are going to have to. Well, you get think having an Arsenal shrine in the downstairs loo might narrow your options in the rental <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Got this big oh, client. He wants to pay a million pounds a week. Big Tottenham oh, yeah. fan. Ah, oh, yeah. So um, I'd have a Tottenham yeah, so tattoo th- for a million pounds a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you looked into t- to moving it to your new place? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. We've yet to uh, divvy up the rooms in the new place. It, it all depends whether it happens. It might all sort of fall down at the last minute, so I'm not getting, jumping too well, head, we're far all ahead. we're absolute tenterhooks about whether or not you can have an Arsenal <laughs> loo in your, in your new home. Do you think you might have matured slightly in the last 15 years? Oh, and you Ollie's wine need. was interesting, was it? <laughs> Ollie's wine was faster. Listen, you're someone who has got a collection of plastic figurines in your toilet. And you could call it an Arsenal shrine if you like, but it is basically a huge toy box with a urinal in the middle of it. <laughs> you, you used to you used to spend enough time in there reading the programmes. Yeah. Where's Alan gone? He's, we would say, oh, he's, he's been there in are, the toilet. To, for... There's plenty to read in there. There's no doubt about that. I think what you should do is approach the club about moving the whole thing lock, stock, and barrel to the Arsenal <laughs> Museum because I, I think. That... Damien Harris' Arsenal good. Shrine. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, Can you talk the, the, us through wall... some of your best things in there? I mean, if you do have to take the shrine down the, in the downstairs, Lou, what would you miss the most? Um, the uh, I posted a picture of the, the Ray Parler uh, figurine. Ray Parler uh, figurine. All Damien's figurines listening, you'll be pleased to hear. In case you're interested in making a bid, I can see what's coming. Are <laughs> <laughs> boxed up. Uh, boxed fresh, as it were. Yeah, are they? They are ready for the uh, the resale. Oh, yeah, if you want to sell a toy, you've got to have it in the original box. You've got to buy a toy, never get it out of it. I've got a, a very large uh, scale model of the Ford Torino used in Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> it's in the box. It's in the box, ready to be sold. Yeah, the kids So all your figurines broken. are boxed up, right? You haven't got any of them out of the box. You've never actually played with Ray Parler, as it were. Um, no, I've got. Um, I do have some. There's a Thierry Henry at Monaco that I. It's had a lot. It's had a lot of work. Um, <laughs> Been very useful over the years. <laughs> um, I've got a. Obviously, I've got a Dennis for day to day. I've got a day to day. And then the special one. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, but I would have to say my favourite piece of football tat is the uh, Dennis Bergkamp bottle opener. Uh, it's oh. the Dutch World Cup team. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's a it's it's a bottle opener with sort of footballers' legs uh, and a picture of Dennis Bergkamp, a cartoon picture of Dennis Bergkamp on the top. And so you open it with his feet. Well, obviously, yeah. I've never I've never used. You've it. never actually used it to open a bottle. Of course I haven't. Is it it still in its packaging? It's around here somewhere. There's a little Dennis. You have to move it a little bit nearer you. because Damien's now holding up a a figurine of Dennis Bergkamp. Oh, Oh, there's Wenger. Arson. 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 In the the full-length puffer coat. 
But it's done up, successfully done up. And he looks annoyed in that. Yeah, well, it's because he's, he's got a bobble head and he can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a little Dennis that I have. Uh, should we carry on this podcast well, I'm, gold? I'm, interest, I'm interested to One sec, keep, I'll get the box. keep picking away at your love of... He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Get his, I'm uh, afraid I don't... I don't. Have you I got nothing, Oliver? I've got, got nothing you know what, at like, all. I when I met my when I met my wife, she began a, a, a pretty um, a pretty vociferous process of eroding anything from my previous life, oh, which uh, she yeah. referred to as being very Jimmy Nail. I don't really? quite know where that came from. <laughs> and, uh, Damien, Damien, meanwhile, is demonstrating an Arsenal toothbrush. Arsenal holder. toothbrush, yeah. He has he has a slightly more uh, leeway with these things. Who's uh, that? That's an Arsenal piggy that, piggy bank. It looks put... very gross. It does a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh, so you've lost all your basically your past life was erased, Oliver. Everything. I've got a, I've got a picture. I've got a picture which has um, Don Quixote tilting at a windmill, which is in our bathroom. But I think everything else has just been, and, I, and I've never seen it go. It's just gone. You know? Just gone. That's just, interesting because Katie yeah. would like to do that to me. Oh no, he's holding up another figure here. Who's, Who's that? that? Uh, this is Emmanuel Petit uh, in, Petit the, French in the French kit. kit. Oh yeah, still, still in the still in the wrappers. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, I th- but all I found is everything's moved into one room. Arsenal Sabutio. Yeah, stop showing me things now. Okay. Is <laughs> <laughs> everything in one room? room. It's an audio medium. This is really going well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, we really do need to move to YouTube if we're going to have Damon Harrison. Ironically, given that maybe you're living in the music industry for years. All of my stuff is in one room, and I we got a loft here that's had a loft conversion. We put some storage cupboards in, which uh, I paid quite a lot of money to have a really nice set of storage cupboards in. And then Katie told me after they'd gone in that I wasn't allowed to put anything in them (laughs) at all. (laughs) You are not going to fill these brand new storage cupboards with your shit. Get basically get it sorted out. So I have been trying to do that, and I've got so much Arsenal stuff, and really all of it is for sale. Particularly the Arsenal Opus, which I paid three thousand pounds for. And oh, it's too heavy. Yeah. It's too heavy to pick it up. Remember that? Did that have, its, did that have its own stand? Oh, it needs its, it needs a table. It's, it's unbelievably heavy. Oh, I see, thing. I'm seeing it. It would be a bit like getting the Encyclopedia Britannica and doing it in one volume, and then inviting people <laughs> to carry that home from Waterstones. It's impossibly heavy to lift it up. Never mind. So I've never opened it. You get a pair of white gloves with it as if you're handing the Magna Carta to turn the pages. And I'm looking at it now. It's in a massive box. I don't know what to do with it. It's sat there for 10 years. So if anyone wants it, I'll, I'll take 2995 for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a look on eBay. Is it called the, is it called the Arsenal Opus? The Arsenal Opus, it? yeah. But of course, it only the trouble with all these Arsenal history books or whatever it is, they all go up to the season that's just finished, and then immediately they're out of date. Yes, now Oliver's now holding <laughs> up his phone with an with, a, with an Arsenal Opus for sale on eBay. Is it? Uh, it is on eBay. It is on eBay. And, but, and what's um, it, what's uh, what's the asking price there? Well, if you um, it, it, they will accept a best offer, but yeah, they're happy to give it away for one thousand nine hundred ninety nine pounds and ninety nine p with free postage. Which sounds like it's going to be quite substantial. You're going to need your own your your own DPD van. You're going to need a, just a dedicated DPD van that will then drive around the southeast, breaking all speed limits and going through red lights to get it to get it to wherever it has to be. Or it might be like you know when you see a, a lorry which has got like a mobile home on the back and there's like a car driving in front with like flashing lights. <laughs> Clear the road. Heavy heavy load. Heavy load. Opus coming through. Opus coming through. <laughs> Opus. <laughs> I 
I can also see on my shelf there a, a football signed by the 2006 Champions League team. That would have been a charity auction nice. purchase. I've got a copy of uh, Philippe Auclair's biography of Thierry Henry, <laughs> I can see. <laughs> That's oh a, yeah, that's available for ninety nine. <laughs> Free postage, <laughs> and, and uh, just uh, so many football programs. I've got just got football programs coming at my ears. No one wants them. They're coming quite useful actually for for doing this podcast in the last few weeks when we haven't had any actual football to talk about. Now we did beat uh, Charlton Athletic six nil in a friendly. Uh, yes. The other day, I, I saw the goals on the internet. A couple of screaming goals. One from Lacazette, yeah. one from Willock. Generally, we look pretty good. And then we played Brentford at home and contrived to let in three goals in the last 20 minutes. I saw those goals and we were just giving the ball away in our own half. Louise gave the ball away, Lacazette gave the ball away. So we just got a bit slapdash and a little bit uh, familiar from watching Arsenal in recent seasons, but I'm pretty sure that Arteta will be on top of them so they don't try to sell any dummies or pull any tricks in their own half against Manchester City on Wednesday. But we're fresh, yeah. we're playing friendlies at the Emirates. It feels like pre-season. Are you excited about Wednesday night? Have you got your viewing planned? Do you've got uh, Sky at home? You're going to sit on your sofa and watch? Yep. Um, little will change. Little will change. Uh, can I just say about those games? I was very pleased to see Ainsley Maitland Niles having a go in central midfield in yeah, the, yeah, that was uh, nice the to see. Charlton game. Uh, so I was pleased about that. Uh, and I thought, who else played? Um, uh, defender. Oh, Who's our English def- centre back? Yeah, that's Tierney rubbing played. His, rubbing his head. Holding. Tierney. Rob Holding. Rob Holding. Rob, that's the one. Rob, Rob Holding. <laughs> so I was pleased to see all those getting a game. And they brought some kids on too, didn't they? I think Maitland Niles gave the ball away for one of the Brentford goals, but there might have been someone else. I, uh, I couldn't. I don't like watching goals we let in. I never re. I never replay them. That's why I'm not no. a coach. We've got to try and beat Man City. We want to get up the table, get in the Champions League. We took it for granted when we were in it. You know, it was miserable. Those group games are so boring. And it's the same every year. Then you get to get you get spanked by some European superpower of the last 16 and it would ruin your title chances at the, at the same time. I'm sure it ruined our title chances in 2008 mm. when we had to play... Uh, Liverpool in, a, in an epic quarter-final which we narrowly lost in the last minute up there and it was really hard oh. to take and I think it yeah. affected all I think it affected us for the rest of that season you know with hindsight you wish they'd just thrown the, the group stage gone at finished bottom of the group and concentrated on the league they probably would have won it but then you know, hindsight's a marvellous thing it is now I've got quite a few emails have come uh, emails about, about eight emails have flooded in um, so which <laughs> is that a flood? Is eight a flood? Is is there a number <laughs> of which I will uh, trickled in? Uh, this one is from Elliot Mills. Elliot Mills, hi guys, big fan of the podcast. Can we please get Saka his song? And then he wants it to be Saka. Saka will tear you apart again. Mm. You see, Elliot, the point of that is it has to be. A single syllable name. It has to be. It's love will tell you apart. You see, so gigs will tell you apart. That works. Saka doesn't work. Similarly, murder Saka. Murder Saka will tear you apart. It's not. <laughs> yeah. so, well, and inappropriate because he never. Inappropriate. Really... I would love yeah. it if he did. Imagine that though. 
<laughs> he's never turned anybody apart. <laughs> he's never turned... combined Bukayo Saka and Per Saka. The close control, wow. speed and crossing ability of Saka with the size of Mertesacker. <laughs> <laughs> I've often done this in my life, thought about it. If only, oh, if we could only combine Charlie Nicholas with Martin Keown, we'd have the single greatest footballer that had ever played. <laughs> But, Why hadn't so we thought of this game before? <laughs> oh, I have. Yeah, we've done this I've many times. <laughs> I've often thought if you could get Thierry Henry and combine him with another Thierry Henry, so you had a double Thierry Henry. <laughs> really, you would. For years I've tried to get a song going, says Jason Glenn. It's a rework of West Ham's Frank Lampard one. So really, you're going back 20 years ago. Uh, I'm dreaming of a Mickey Thomas just like the one at Anfield Road when the ball went over and Mick rolled over and he scored <laughs> the thing winning goal I mean, it's like the rolled over date, bit Jason I mean, and we don't <laughs> say Anfield Road <laughs> he was just it's trying to make it scan I know but why can't I just <laughs> Stop pestering me with the... Oh, I like this one <laughs> Clive... Can't win, can they? Clive love it. I am a Brit living in British Columbia in Canada. Lucky you, is all I can say at the moment. My dad was born in 1926, a stone's throw away from Highbury. He was a die-hard gooner whose dream was to hold a season ticket. Well, buy a season ticket, would be done. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was during the Terry Neal Donhow years, uh, which were rather boring to watch. My dad told two stories about the Arsenal. You could tell who was a good winger. In the first minute of a game, the fullback would put the ball and the winger into the stands. Good players brushed it off and made the fullback look a fool. Poor players went to hospital. Oh, no. Poor <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks uh, Clive Lovett's dad moving on the second involves Alex James my dad would tell a story of Arsenal playing in a downpour and an absolute quagmire of a pitch Alex James threw on goal only the goalkeeper to beat he lifted his foot to shoot swung it at the ball and the goalkeeper dived to save the ball only to be diving toward a piece of flying mud <laughs> meanwhile Alex James the legend tapped the ball into the net I love that story ah. That, I, mean, yeah. just, I love that. I want that to be true. That he, he got through on the goal and he kicked a bit of mud to fool the keeper, <laughs> a bit of the turf. And it really does feel a bit Lionel Messi, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, people say, people say, oh, Messi, what would he do in the old days on those old pitches? Probably something like that, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Clive, thank you very much for your excellent Alex James story which I like very much uh, this is from John McNamara in 2005 I as a 14 year old Thierry Henry fanboy was distraught to find out that my stepmom, who hated football would be meeting the Arsenal players her company were commercial partners with Aston Villa the game my stepmom was attending was against Arsenal I showed her several pictures of prominent Arsenal players that she should ask for an autograph Thierry Henry was the big one. And I was delighted when she rang me afterwards to say she had got his autograph and another player's. She got home. I frantically checked out my shiny new signatures. To John, all the best, Luke Moore. <laughs> <laughs> my stepmum 
had mistaken Thierry Henry, one of the greatest players to ever grace the game, with an entirely forgettable Aston Villa defender. In addition, in addition to this, the second autograph was Eric Jemba Jemba. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, they remain the most famous autographs that I have owned. Unfortunately, they were from two shit Aston Villa players. <laughs> I will never email you again, John McNamara. So, gentlemen, um, we are uh, this. Uh, while we've been doing this podcast, listener, we've been trying to uh, look back at old seasons and old games and old Arsenal biographies to fill in because there isn't any actual football. So this week, we have decided that we would try and look at the twenty twelve. 13 season um, which was the season in the summer of 2012-13 in the summer of 2012 we signed Santi Cazorla for a club record fee which is a great bit of business uh, Olivier Giroud the jury's still out on Giroud I think even though he's left three years ago and uh, Podolski who was a fabulously talented player who would be an absolute boon signing if you played walking football and we sold <laughs> Carlos Vela. Nicholas Bentner went on loan to Juventus. Oh, what mm. was happening at Juventus at that time? And we sold Robin Van Persie to Manchester United. Uh, memories of the 2012-13 season, gents? Depressing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just, it was depressing. I mean, obviously they were highlights. <laughs> But sort of looking looking back on it, oh God. I mean, we had we had quite good periods, didn't we? We had a few sort of little moments, but just losing Robin van Persie, them getting you know Man United heading towards the title. Uh, Santi hadn't really. I mean, he played a lot of games. That was one thing I was sort of quite surprised about. But his influence hadn't really properly been felt. He was sort of settling in uh and that was when we it was the first i might have got this wrong but is when the sort of crowd started to turn it felt like properly i do you, i don't know whether you agree uh, it could be pretty toxic that's fair that's fair to say i i think that the selling of robin van persie was a huge moment Perhaps, perhaps it was a bigger moment than we, than we even realised at the time, because that to sell him to your rivals, and to not be able to say no, you can't go there. You've got a year left in your contract. You're an Arsenal player, and you've got to stay here. Because we lost the league to them by about ten points or something. We weren't really in contention. We clinched fourth place, I think, on the last day of the season yeah. by a point by a point from Spurs. But he scored 24 goals for Manchester United and really was a huge part in them winning the league, was was responsible for a lot of points for them. And had he been responsible for those points for us, we might have been up there challenging them. As it was, it was really giving up. There was no way Giroud was ever going to... Giroud and Podolski, we, we signed the pair of them for about the money that we got for Van Persie and in that moment you saw that Giroud and Podolski were each less than half of a Van Persie yeah it also had a negative effect didn't it I thought on Theo Walcott also we couldn't get Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain going he couldn't seem to get Aaron Ramsey going we seemed to have a lot of potential around the place and he whatever it was with Arsene at that time bearing in mind that he did hang on for another five years after that 
Yeah. He couldn't seem to get to develop the players and bring them through in the exciting way he had done in the hybrid days. Yeah. I mean, I was I was quite surprised that we still had our show of in. We Javinio was still there as well. So I mean, we there was a lot there, but and and I I completely agree that was one of my comments as well. What should have been a really good squad, but we felt a bit rudderless, didn't we at that uh in that season? And you felt a bit for Giroud. I mean, he couldn't hit a barn door at the beginning. Yeah. Well, it was it was it's funny because um, you know I remember we the, when he um, yeah it was it was obviously you know really ridiculous to get rid of Van Persie and <laughs> get Podolski and Giroud for the same money when you know and as you say he went on and, and those those extra ten goals I think cause I think um, looked like Walcott was our highest scorer with about fourteen goals so you think if we'd had ten more coming from Van Persie you know it would have it would have made a massive difference but. It was. I remember the first the first time I think we saw him. I think he came on as a sub in that Sunderland game. Remember, it was a re, it was a lovely day, but it was a nil nil, and um, it was one of those things where I think he came on a, a bit late. You know, he had he had a really good chance to score, and we were all like, "Yes, he's and oh," and it, it, it reminded me of when you know when Wellback when Wellback came in and made his debut, and he had a similar thing where you know he was running down, he just had the keeper to be, he chipped it. It was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. And, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah, just that like proper, um, you know, we've we just don't have those players who can come in on their debut and score. But what it did make me think of, as I mentioned at the start, is um, I found on, on, uh, on online, I found a list of all of the players uh, who scored under Arsene Wenger on their debut. Right. Good knowledge. And this I wonder. This is the kind of trivia I like. And I wondered how many of those players would you be able to name? There's a couple of obvious ones, and there's a few who are a little bit harder to harder to get. But um, do you want to try and think of some? I'm going to go uh, Alexis Sanchez. Uh, no, he's not on the list. Not on the list. Okay, uh, I'll give up. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could try a tiny Maroon. bit. You could try a tiny bit harder. <laughs> Marouane Shabak. No, 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 no. I will tell you. I will read them all out to you. Alberto Mendes. Alberto <laughs> Mendes is one and only goal. <laughs> against Birm- was it Birmingham City in Four, the League Cup? He scored the fourth goal in the 4-1 win over Birmingham City. Um, yes, he side-footed yes. it in the corner. Wow. The next one, on a 3-0 <laughs> victory over Manchester United in 1998. Freddie. Freddie Jungberg. Freddie Lundberg, yeah. Freddie Jungberg. He lobbed Schmeichel. Scored on his debut. Um, there's, uh, right, 1999 against Preston. Oh, not... Oh, no. Is it not Stefan Mouth. Stefan Mouth. Stefan Mouth scored yeah. a goal wow. on his debut. Did he? Oh, the ne- yeah, yeah. All these uh, these dodgy league cut ones. I don't know if they should be allowed. Well, <laughs> I'm afraid I've got another one. Uh, Community <laughs> Community Shield uh, came in as a substitute against Liverpool. Gilberto Silva. Absolutely. Boom. Um, oh, yes. Boom. Um, uh, Winning this, goal this, as well. Winning goal. Yeah. Another. I'm afraid it's another league cut one. Two um, one victory against Manchester City in 2003. 2003. He's Man's American. City. American. Oh, that we should get oh, it from Kabi, that. Kabasi, Kabasi. Yeah, <laughs> no. him. Him. 
Yeah, Danny yes. Carbassian. 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 Yeah, him. I fall apart. I fall apart with that name in much the same way that Keith falls apart with Grimondi. Or any or any <laughs> name. It's not Smith or Jones, to be frank. But, um, the next one. Um, uh, he joined. He joined Arsenal in January 2006 and made an immediate impact, scoring on his debut against Birmingham. Ed- Eduardo. Is it added First by of all? 62 goals. It certainly. No, it is. It is indeed added by all. Ah. Um, the next next one. Um, well, this is getting boring. Sammy Navtery scored on his boring. debut. Um, okay. we'd we be going to uh, your shopping this is gold <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, second he scored the second goal in a 6-1 win over Everton on his debut in 2009 2009 was that Eduardo no somewhere in no he was later he's a defender another clue another clue defender he's a defender centre back Thomas Vermaelen Yes, yes. Oh, good oh. shout. He could score a goal. He could. He could. Thomas from could. Ireland. Yeah. Now, this is one of one of my one of my favourites here. Um he um who's now if I tell you now, he's now actually this is probably from a couple of years ago, but he was playing for Wealdstone in the sixth tier of the British League. Um yeah. came to the Arsenal Academy and scored his first goal on his debut against West Brom in two thousand and nine. He had a good song. In fact his song was, was probably the most memorable thing about him. No? Sanchez no, Watt. Sanchez ah, Watt. I said Sanchez. Watt. I said what? I said Sanchez. I said what do you want? Yes. Uh, the next, the, the next two are actually still regular, regular players in our yeah. team. Um, yeah. One scored a late equaliser against Chelsea in 2017 Community Shield. Oh, that's um, Kalasinac. Kalasinac, indeed. Yeah. And to almost prove the point, uh, which is why I've looked to last, the sort of signing who you make and you think they probably are going to score on their debut. Who's in the current side? Yeah. I can't even remember. I know. <laughs> well, it's, I'll give it away. It's Aubameyang. Aubameyang ah. <laughs> scored in his debut, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he's our yeah. top striker, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, that's... He scored, a, uh, he scored uh, he's, against he's his, uh, on his debut against Everton. Set up so by Mkhitaryan, I think. Uh, possibly. I vaguely remember. There you go. There you go. There you go. Good case. I did it. Excellent. That voice. could lead to um, best best songs, least incredible, uh, least memorable careers. Um, Sanchez, what? Juan, <laughs> our left back. Do you remember our yeah. uh, our left back? Juan. <laughs> yeah. There's a. There's only one. <laughs> yeah. One. There's only one. One. There's only one. One. Yeah. One. One. <laughs> There's only one, one. I think that's probably about it for yeah, that, that game, though. But if any le- re- listeners can think of any more. <laughs> I remember Aubameyang getting through, and I think it was Jordan Pickford in goal, and he dummy to shoot with his right foot and sat Pickford down and then clipped it in with his left foot, which is famously his weaker foot. His, really, his left foot isn't great. But he was able to do this kind of double shuffle and stamp stamp his right foot down and dab it with his left. So cool. Mm. It was absolutely fantastic finish. Do you think he sign there's a lot of talk maybe he will sign another deal now? There's people sniffing around him at Bamiang, Barcelona supposedly interested, Real Madrid, all the usual names. Um but Nothing's really happened. Do you, do you think they just want to concentrate on getting these games out of the way? Yeah. There's, I think I read that they're going to possibly open the transfer window early or extend the transfer. The transfer window's a mess, isn't it? Because the football's going now yeah. all through the transfer window and no one wants to be buying and selling players or doing deals. 
Are you optimistic about Aubameyang staying, or do you would you if you said oh it's thirty mil would you take it? I think it's it's interesting because I think the um, he's sort of hanging out for that last big payday. Isn't he? He's twenty nine, thirty nearly, um, and you know it's precisely the wrong time to be in that situation. So, you know, where you could sit there. But and think do you like, think, Ollie? I mean, I know what you mean about hanging out for that last big payday, but when you're on £180,000 a week, it's, how much money can you have? I mean, what he's, he's never have to work again, will he? he? Even if he's obviously half of that's going to agents and taxmen. Yeah, 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 yeah. But even given that, it's 90000 quid every single week for the last. He earned good money at Dortmund. Perhaps he isn't thinking about money. Perhaps he might be thinking, do I want to go and live in Spain? Do I want to stay here in London? Yeah. yeah. What's my life like? I'm a hero at Arsenal. I score lots of goals. I like the place. Mm. Yeah. What what does he think? Oh, really, all I want to do... I did read a thing that he said to his grandfather or something. Oh, one day I'll play for Real Madrid. Real Madrid are very good at letting these stories out into the world about how everybody <laughs> fantasises about playing for Real Madrid. Everyone's got a granddad, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, that 2012-13 season included, uh, for the second time in the calendar year 2012, a 5-2 win against Tottenham Hotspur, which, which included Per Mertesacker's First goal for the club. He's done well, Walcott. Plays across in Mertesacker with a header. What a time to get your first goal for Arsenal. Per Mertesacker, it's 1-1. And that really became the highlight. Other than that, we had the uh, home defeat against Blackburn, where we applauded Blackburn Rovers off, famously, in the FA Cup, this is. They were a championship team. That was when Tyre stood up and shouted, Not you, Bentley! <laughs> Bentley. David Bentley had come on as a sub for the last half an hour. <laughs> and we absolutely detested him, didn't we? Yeah. He was the one who left Arsenal. He had all the talent in the world. He looked like he could be the next David Beckham, and he very much wasn't the next David Beckham. He slightly forgot how hard you have to work to be David Beckham. <laughs> but he had, he had the sort of equivalent talent, something you felt at times. But he went, ended up at Blackburn. They knocked us out of the cup. And famously, in the League Cup, can you remember what happened in the League Cup? Did you go to Bradford? Was it Bradford oh that year? Oh, my God, we went to Bradford. Was it you, <laughs> was it you, was it you Keith, and Tayo went up there? Yeah. It, and and Silent Chris, I, I think, came as well. Oh, oh, God. And we did a joint oh, yeah. podcast but... with the lads from Bantam's Banter. Uh, who I became good friends with, and I've subsequently did World Cup podcasts with them, but that that was the one of the coldest experiences. <laughs> that was so cold. Bradford City was on the eleventh of December. It was a freezing cold. Oh. It was the quarter final. It was the quarter final of the League Cup, and I think they did actually get to the final, didn't they? And got smashed. Yeah. Uh, our team that night was Wojciech Chesney. In goal with Sanya, Murtasaka, Vermeilen and Gibbs. Pretty solid back mm, four. Yeah. Uh, in midfield, we had Jack Wilshire and Aaron Ramsey and Santa Cazorla. <laughs> with Francis Coquelin in there as well as a holding player. So, it's not bad. It's nice. Up front, it gets a little <laughs> bit wobbly. <laughs> this is where it goes wrong, though, doesn't it? <laughs> it goes wrong. Up, up front, it goes wrong. Where we've got Lucas Podolski and Jovino. Podolski was bought, I think Wenger thought maybe he could play as a number nine. He gave him the nine shirt, in fact. And play as a number nine at, at the focal point of a 4-3-3, 4-5-1 sort of a system. Play with his back to goal. He absolutely could not play with his back to goal. He could only play 
facing the play. His crossing was sensational. His <laughs> shooting, his volleying was as good as anyone that's ever played football. But back to goal, he was a liability. So if you played it into his feet, he lost it. So we brought on, with half an hour to go in that game, Marouane Shamak, who... <laughs> The people in Bradford are still looking for him because his number went up. <laughs> but what his contribution was in the game, I don't know. In fact, we were 1-0 down for most of the game. He went 1-0 down early in the first half and Thomas for mile and equalised. And then it ended up, it really in the middle of the night, it ended up with a penalty shootout. Uh, our misses were Santi missed one, Shamak missed one. Jack Wilshire scored, the Ox scored, and then they missed, and Thomas Vermeilen stepped up, and he had a chance to level it on penalties and go to sudden death, and he managed to miss it. And we lost on pens to Bradford City, who were in, uh, in what we would call Division 4, I think. Mm. And yeah, after yeah. the game, we'd, we'd hired a, a driver from the, from the Bradford area, to take us back to London, and we were, we recorded a podcast in the van on the way back. Please scroll <laughs> back, uh, listener, on your podcast feed. You will find all the podcasts from back in the day. Uh, scroll back to the uh, the one recorded in the van on the way back from Bradford. If you think anything you've ever experienced in football is painful, I'd like <laughs> to get a sense of perspective. <laughs> That was oh. the one where Javinho missed from three yards out. And oh, we said, if we if just God. put a sofa there, it would have gone in off. And that was when we decided that oh. having what a bit was... of furniture up front would be better than having oh. Javinho. And we came out the ground and we were with the lads from Banter's Banter, Tom and Dom, two of the nicest blokes you could ever meet. We came out the ground and uh, they're all singing a chat. We got Bradford scarves on, so we're all wearing Bradford scarves. They gave us a load of stuff and spoiled us rotten. Uh, but we still got a hypothermia. And then the driver of the van said, oh, yeah, well, I've got to drive back to London. I've got to drive back to London. I want to celebrate. I've got to take a load of these wankers back to London. <laughs> At which point we all, all our faces dropped and we went, that's us, mate. You know, in, in a... <laughs> and we went, oh, <laughs> and, uh, and he did, to his credit, he did drive us back. <laughs> What a night that was. Did you, that, did there you... was nothing that Arsene Wenger could do in those years. He could sell the captain, yeah. could sell the captain, sign Marouane Shamak, get us dumped out of the cup, the League Cup by Bradford and the FA Cup by Blackburn, and st- and somehow scrape fourth place on the last yeah. day because Tottenham blew it again. And get us in the Champions League, and he's there for another another season. There was no around that time. I think it was the following year, actually, wasn't it? Uh, Twenty fourteen, when we we re- I really did start to get twitchy, and I do remember yeah. thinking at that point. Sent I sent a text to Amy Lawrence that just said Klopp. That was all I put in the text was Klopp. It's twenty fourteen. I think we'd lost the Man U, and it was around that time when there really was a lot. There was a real dissent. And I think it was this season, wasn't it, when he sold Van Persie and mm. patched, patched up an attack with substandard players. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it started to get uncomfortable from that moment on, I felt. And you started to not really enjoy yeah. those, you know, those years after that. Yeah, and, and you know, in retrospect, you look at it and you go, you know, was that the apogee of the like, fourth place as a trophy 
you know, sort of years, like just when, when it was still, we, you know, you'd still be forgiven because you'd go back on the roller coaster of the Champions League and like a good cup run and like some good games at home, like a 5-2 against Spurs or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was sort of, was that the beginning? Maybe as you say, Jamie, maybe it was like when the crowd started getting a bit feisty and, and so on. But it was it was an extraordinarily tense mm. um, that that game against Newcastle. Do you remember the last the last Sunday of the season? Yeah, and um, yes, and I and I remember I was I was um, I was I was at home and I was so stressed about it. I knew I couldn't like follow it, so I just went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> the classic, like the coward's way out. It's like the glass, the, the, you know, the, the the glass of whiskey and the revolver. Like, I'm just going to go to bed. And I think I just te- I, think I woke up, just texted someone saying, "Can I, you know, is it okay?" And I think it was Alistair or whatever, like text about saying, "No, nah, it was fine. We, we we did it. We did it." And and it really, but it did genuinely feel like a trophy, you know. And it was that that sort of idea, yeah, of oh my god, what you mean. Even after all this, you you know we're not even going to finish in the top four and get oh well do the playoff for the Champions League. Well, that was it. They, they, well, I suppose it's because we finished above Spurs. It's a game that I've forgotten because we we finished strongly. That's what we did. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that really was, strongly. That was how we we managed it. In our last five games, we we won away at Fulham, we won away at QPR, we beat Wigan at home four one, which relegated them. I think they'd won the cup, but then we relegated them the next match. Yeah. And we beat Newcastle, and also in that five-game run, the match I haven't mentioned there was a one-one draw at home to Manchester United, who, who won the league. And what I've completely blanked from my memory is Theo Walcott scored early in that game, really for a couple of minutes in, and they they equalised with a penalty from Robin van Persie. And I, I really have just blanked that from my I memory. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, oh, and he also so um, painful. He scored, didn't he, against? Didn't he score for against us at Old Trafford as well? I think he scored in the first, really early in the yeah. game. He scored. And he was all respectful, um, wasn't he? Vermeilen cleared the ball and it went straight to him, and he just smacked it in the corner like it was effort. Yeah, and he was quite respectful, wasn't he? He did. It. He sort of chose not to sort of uh, celebrate, even though <laughs> we had been booing him, booing his every touch. I think. Oh, it so depressed me. I think that really was a case. That of all the t- all the players that have left us, I should briefly mention that we beat Reading seven five, having been four 0 down oh, in the League yeah. Cup. That was quite a good one. That was nuts. And we yeah. beat Newcastle seven three at the Emirates with a hat trick from 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 Theo. So we had some that's a big win. In fact, Reading that season we played we beat them five two away in the league. We beat them four one at home in the league and seven. <laughs> Seven, scored 16 goals against Reading in three matches. <laughs> uh, uh, Who was uh, their manager? Was, uh, was it Nigel? <laughs> Who's that dour bloke? English manager. Um, Ni- really, that is a huge... Oh, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, I, if, there's, Dower. if there's any listener out there who can remember who was the manager of Reading in the 2012-13 season, I, I sort of you're a better out, man uh, than I. I'm going to try and find out for Nigel, you. Nigel, he came back. He's... Oh, I know who you mean now. Oh, horrible little git, yeah. wasn't he? Dirty player, <laughs> nasty man. But he tries to be all zen. Uh, no, it wasn't him. It wasn't him. I'll tell you exactly who it was. It was an Arsenal legend. No. Who was it? Oh, this is, a, this is an excellent quiz. It's an, 
It's a legend only in the minds of people who watched Arsenal between about 1980 and 82. Uh, He scored a goal, a memorable goal at Highbury in in front of 57,000 and then lost all his hair and was unrecognisable in his managerial career. It was Brian McDermott. Oh, God, yes. yes. Brian McDermott. He was the manager of Of Reading. Of course, yes. And uh, at, at that time, he managed Reading... Then he went away um, and managed Leeds for a bit, and then he went back and managed Reading again. And I don't know where he is. Don't know where he is now. Yeah, he played a few games for Arsenal. Played a few games. Scored a couple of goals. Uh, he was very, very skinny and lightweight as a footballer, but quite a solid, quite a solid presence mm. in the technical area. Yes, a solid presence <laughs> in the technical area. Yes. <laughs> And he had a bald head and glasses. Always a good combo. Um, did I, just before we move on, because Robin, did I mm. ever tell you about being in Porto Benus at the Ocean Club? So I think the year no. before we sold it. Oh, yes, I think you did. Mm. And we, we decided to spend a day in the Ocean Club, which is a very expensive uh, sort of, uh, what, would you, what would you call it? Did you, have you ever been there? No, I've never been there. This is you and your better yes. half. This isn't you and me. No. <laughs> Sorry, just big, for context. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it's one of those fancy places where they sort of bring you bottles of vodka and sort of champagne and people in bikinis uh, swan around. And um, Kim was in the swimming pool and sort of suddenly went, that's Robin Van Persie. So Robin Van Persie was there. Uh, I at one point I, she was in the swimming pool as was Robin I was sitting with my legs dangling over the edge and I said do not go up to him please do not go up to him he's on holiday let him be two minutes did you really mean please do not do not go off no <laughs> please don't get off with him <laughs> I don't, yeah. well, she, when she compared Robin Van Persie's legs with yours Damon, she must have intended to make a pass of him <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't have stood in between you know no you wouldn't you would have yeah. said listen when he's an Arsenal player and the Arsenal captain yeah. you said look do what you have to do what get you me have some to training do. get me some training tops uh, a few things like that I'll be yeah, fine <laughs> <laughs> no, really the demand for the David Harris trading tops collection what you mean is get me some plastic yeah, figurines <laughs> uh, but she went over so, to him yeah, so she? I said please don't go over to him and sure enough she was a bit pissed by then and she did and then so you know what it's like trying to walk through a swimming pool so all of a sudden I look up and there is Kim and Robin Van Persie waddling through this swimming pool and he comes up and says hello wow. and he was lovely and he was really nice and I said oh I sit by the tunnel you might hear me shout and he laughed and he was really <laughs> really nice and I was always go off with him Kim go on it's fine um, go yeah and give me your blessing one of us should go off with him <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the next year, he he went to Man United, and I was gutted. No. I went to uh, the, the the big end of season charity event at the Emirates, where the first team squad go, and um, 
I was at that that year and they always have an auction and uh, I've made some silly bids in my time but it gets that kind of atmosphere where people are bidding a lot of money for things and I think it was a Thierry Henry signed boot framed in a nice case came up and this was a big ticket on the auction and some big bids going in and in the end it went for quite a big sum of money I think it was a five-figure sum to Robin van Persie, and uh, yeah. and at the time we were all sitting there going, "Does this mean he's going? It means he <laughs> loves Arsenal. <laughs> it means he loves Arsenal, and he's going to stay with us because we really wanted him to stay." Let's not forget, he was a fantastic centre forward yeah, in the 2012 was, season. Thirty plus goals. I think he was footballer of the year. The best player in the league. One of the best in the world. We'd had him since he was 21 or something. Watched him come through. He took on the mantle of the superstar of the side, him and Cesc Fabregas together. And we felt with him, maybe. And he'd, apparently he'd said to Wenger, you're not signing any world-class players. I, you know, where, where's the ambition and all the rest of it? And Wenger said, well, you weren't world-class when I signed you. That's what I heard anyway. Anyway, bought this boot and everyone cheered and he had his photograph taken with it. And I think I might even somewhere have a photograph of me and him with it, but that might be a false move. <laughs> Uh, anyway, it didn't mean he was staying. It meant I fancy that Thierry Henry boot as I go out the door as a souvenir, and he and he was gone. He was gone. Uh, an email from Bees. Uh, it just says Bees B double E Z. Uh, I'm writing to the, this to you, and uh, this is dated June the fourth. We're recording this listener on Saturday, June the thirteenth, four days before the resumption of football. He's writing this from his flat in the centre of Hollywood, California. There have been police sirens, helicopters and spontaneous bangs for the past few days. I've just listened to the show as a distraction and it helped amazingly. I bored my wife senseless about why football songs are so good and while I'll always take a Jack Wilshire over a Robin Van Persie. (laughs) (laughs) My question is, when have you really needed the Arsenal as a distraction? And I don't know about you two gents, but now. (laughs) It's really... Doing this podcast every week, people say, why are the podcast so long? It's because I don't talk to anyone all week. I've got three kids. My wife doesn't give a shit about football. Really, she's really the reason she, she likes me liking it because I would leave her alone for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Last night, she came in the living room. I had the Bundesliga on and I actually said this sentence. Tonight, there's Italian football and Spanish and German. <laughs> and she just walked out of the room. <laughs> And we and we ended up watching back-to-back episodes of I May Destroy You, which was absolutely brilliant drama and much, much better than the football. But I'm still just sitting there with this kind of misty-eyed, childhood look on my face. Like, Please let there be the football one to me to. Have you ever really needed the arsenal as a distraction? Uh, um... or, or have you not been in a kind of Black Lives Matter race riot happening outside the front door like Bees was obviously going through? Um, no, 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 not as a, not as a, distra- I mean, not as a distraction. I mean, it's probably the, it's probably the opposite. It was, it was like a very, I mean, it, it remains and, you know, it's brilliant doing this again and, and, um, you know, our, our, our Wednesday chats, which I think will hopefully endure because I feel like I'm, I'm seeing you guys more and talking to you guys more, but it was just like a reassuring presence. It, it's almost like it was never, it, it never wasn't a, a, a presence, if that makes sense. Like a long, very many years of going to the games, you know, being friends with you guys, us going away to Cardiff and all the all the stories in the fun and the pub it's you know it's just been an amazing constant in my life I think as opposed to ever being a distraction if that makes mm. sense 
Yeah, it totally uh, does. It's more the kind of a thing where you miss it when it isn't there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, sadly, mine is a bit sad because it was when my mum was ill. Um, but um, I think when we were talking about that 2012 season, when it didn't wasn't fun anymore, that was quite a big turning point for me. I found those three or four years after that really quite difficult. And it always used to be that the football was fun and seeing everyone and... And suddenly it was like, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. I don't like going. I don't like all these people shouting. You know, I used to get really annoyed with that bloke who sat down yeah. the, the road from us. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah. I would... The negativity. The negativity, and yeah. especially towards Arson, who, you know, for many people, he was the father figure. He was your dad. And you couldn't... You, I hated people being rude to him or shouting at him and it really would upset me so yeah sorry if this is a bit downy but uh yeah no, I, no, I found that's it, fine yeah. you and i were perhaps a little blind to his flaws arsene as well weren't we, we were so <laughs> uh so enamored of him i mean i'm similar to you d i know my mum died when i was little and for me when i was a teenager going to arsenal on the way i hated my school did tricky at home Going to Arsenal at the weekend, I used to go in on my own from Loughton, get the bus to Walthamstow, get the tube, spend the day, went to away games on my own. I had a few friends at school who supported Arsenal, but none of them went. Yeah. We lived out in Essex. None of them went or wanted to go particularly. But I remember reading Nick Hornby's fever pitch and when he talks about his parents splitting up and his father taking him to Highbury at the weekend um, mm. as something to do. And he went up and saw the pitch. When you when you emerge mm. onto wherever you are in the ground, or the seats especially, and you suddenly see how green that field is and how that stayed with him. And and a couple of weeks later, his dad said, what do you want to do? And he said, can we go to Arsenal? And he says, that's what I get. That's all I want to do. And, uh, and, and he never lost that feeling on a Saturday. Yeah. And I was like that. I went to, you know, all the games... That I could possibly get to is the one thing my dad would give me a few quid. Um, no doubt, delighted that I would be out of the house for several <laughs> hours on a Saturday yeah. and not bickering with my brother and sister or being, you know, generally obnoxious. Um, and just out, out at Highbury, and, you know, I collected all the programs and went to all the cup finals. And it was a, I think, for my entire teenage life, when I was, it, 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 it was a distraction. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's your answer, Bees. Anyway, Harvey Rayson has emailed to say, how about springtime for Hitler from the producers <laughs> um, for Lucas Torreira and Gwen Doozy? It goes like this. Lucas Torreira and Gwen Doozy. <laughs> Never email me again. I, 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 ambitious. <laughs> I would like to say very ambitious, and I applaud that. <laughs> And, and good one bringing out Sweet uh, Edmund, Edmund Moriarty. Thank you, Edmund Moriarty, for emailing. Uh, here in Walthamstow, Keith is a local legend for gooners and neutrals alike. Who have you canvassed? <laughs> Who have you canvassed in Walthamstow, Edmund? Anyway, only the other day I spotted him on a street corner enjoying a lockdown lager with a few socially distanced admirers. That's right, what a <laughs> We're now, I'm now guaranteed to get emails about the best of destiny. Can I suggest that Keith is serenaded in the Emirates by fellow fans, oh. 
with his very own song. She was nice, nice, nice. She was nice, nice, nice. She was nice, Never nice, nice, email nice. again. She was nice, nice, nice. <laughs> no, he nice, will nice, be a nice. nightmare. And oh. Edmund signs off with, I will never email you again, but does leave a mobile number. <laughs> I have the I have the rec- I have the three options provided by uh, by our email provider here are love it ha ha or nice one I think I'm going with ha ha yes uh, our our, uh, our email address is Tuesday Club Podcast at gmail.com Tuesday Club Podcast at gmail.com follow us on Twitter we're trying to build up our Twitter following uh, which we lost when we were at Yellow Boots on we're now at not you Bentley which I actually prefer I think. At not you Bentley, so please uh, send us anything to there. Right, gentlemen, we should move on from the uh, misery of the 2012-13 <laughs> season. The Bradford Blackburn, Santi Cazorla was Player of the Season, by the way, that yeah. year. The team that beat Spurs five-two. Um, just in case you're interested, we had Chesney in goal. Sanya, Murtasaka, Koscielny and Vermeilen playing left-back. Arteta and Wilshire in centre-mid. Uh, Arteta finished that season with a 90... Something like 95% pass completion rate. The highest in mm. the Premier League. I think there was one other player. I don't know who it was who maybe was above him. But, I mean, really incredible. Um, but all sideways. And <laughs> the crab. The, 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 <laughs> yeah, all backwards. Uh, and then we had Theo, of course, who could never lose his place. I don't know what he had on Arsene. Uh, it was it's just potential every year, wasn't it, with Theo? Santi Cazorla, the record signing, who was the player of the year. Uh, Lucas Podolski and Giroud up front. And on the bench, we had the corporal. Corporal oh. Jenkinson. That does remind me, actually, one more thing about that season. Uh, Vito Minoni. Oh, yeah! Uh, Andre Arshavin, Francis Coquelin and two players who are sort of legends in a way aren't they Rambo, Aaron Ramsey and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and the cap- can you remember who the captain was that season 2012-13 not Arteta was it Arteta no, no. Arteta, was, Arteta was the uh, the vice captain Murtasaka oh, had only Marlin. been there 12 months it was Thomas Vermeilen. Yes. Thomas Vermeilen was the club captain. And so I'm turning my attention now to the captain's log, which is his programme notes from the game against Tottenham Hotspur on the 17th of November 2012. Uh, there'd been an international week. I wasn't able to watch the Belgian game. It was Belgium international, of course, but he was injured. I was focused on England's game in Sweden. It was great to see Jack Wilshire. Back in an England shirt. Oh, it breaks your heart to read it, but what a fantastic player he was at his best. And I was also delighted to see Carl Jenkinson win his first full cap. He's worked really hard this season and improved a lot. A place with the national team is a natural progression for him. Every English player aspires to get there, and when they do, it's something very special. Carl is still young, so to be there is a big achievement. He totally deserves it. Uh, which is wonderful to read about the corporal. Uh, a high point in his career. Um, that was a game when England got absolutely spanked <laughs> and Ibrahimovic scored four. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not suggesting it was in any way that that was the corporal's <laughs> fault. 
goal scorers against Arsenal in that Spurs game were Adibayor, who stabbed oh. one in. Oh. Uh, after a shot oh. was parried out to him, and Gareth Bale, Gareth Bale ran through the middle and um, smashed the score against. Did they? The was that where they wore that awful grey kit? Was that that year? Yeah, sort of grey and black, half and half. Yeah, shirts. yeah, yeah. That was awful. Funny, I. You know, speaking of things that you have blocked out of your memory, Adebayor at Spurs. I decided to forget yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. God, and he got red carded, didn't he, in the game? Yeah, uh, quite a bad tackle. That game, I think it was uh, at, playing four Spurs at the Emirates. Yeah, yes. he'd become quite a hated figure by then because of course really he left for Manchester City, and he famously slid in front of ran the whole length of the pitch. The Arsenal fans, yeah, and they ripped up some seats and tried to hit him with yeah. them, which is. And there was that. It was song. in that match. Was, it was, was in it that match. In that match, he got a red card. He scored a goal, uh, and he got red carded. Yeah. Yeah, and there was that song, wasn't there? There was that awful song that people were singing about him. Oh yeah, a little bit of a racist number about elephants. Yeah, but I don't know. Almost as fierce as the Ashley Cole. Return, oh. which I think was probably the most visceral outpouring of, of oh. hatred. Oh. Adibayor didn't really get it, did he? He didn't really get it. I remember Van Persie complaining that Adibayor had gone round the changing room and stolen all the boots. <laughs> Saying uh, they were for, I don't know who he was going to, supposedly going to give them to, and he stole Van Persie's boots and he wanted to keep them. Oh, Is that why he bought Thierry's? <laughs> yes, perhaps. We'll move on now, gents, to talk about uh, the Romford Pele. Uh, Ray Parler's autobiography and it's just by way of kind of linking into it he talks a lot in this book it's a great it's a lovely read actually if you like Arsenal and you like Ray Parler and you really it's a it'll be a nice one to turn back to when you're trying to remember what the Invincibles were like or what it was like under George Graham he was the player who kind of crossed over mm. those two eras who played in the 93 League Cup final and FA Cup final was also there still when Arsene took over he was there for Rioch he was there with the Invincibles. He had an amazing career. But there is a moment in the book towards the end where he goes out, he leaves Arsenal in 2004, partly because he was told he might not play so many games. Cesc Fabregas had turned up. Uh, he later expresses a little bit of regret that he might have stayed on and got to 500 games for Arsenal for today. But he had a good couple of years up at Middlesbrough. He had some good players then. Mm. And then he was down at Arsenal and uh, Phil Brown, the... Uh, much despised whole city manager called him up said what are you doing on Saturdays he said nothing he said do you want to play football so he trained at Arsenal and then would go up on the weekend to play for Hull yeah. City mm. and uh, and had some games up there with Hull City uh, it's a good club Hull City it's a nice stadium I've got a bit of time for the place and he, he enjoyed his time up there but what what he said was when he came back uh, to Arsenal to train Arsene Wenger was happy for him to come in and train he always liked him he said the atmosphere was different in the dressing room. He said that when he got there, this is about 2007, Cesc Fabregas and William Gallas weren't speaking to yeah. one another. This is the, we, yeah. were going for the, we were going for the league that year and we somehow, somehow blew it. Because what I get, and I'll, I'll come to you in a second, but what I really get from this book, oh, more than anything, what, what he loves about football, and, and he perhaps played a big part in more than any, anybody else, is the camaraderie and the team spirit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Completely, completely. 
Totally, yeah, totally. I mean, it's 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 really funny, isn't it? Because there's a lot, you know. There's 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 no obviously no secret, but you know, it's like the he really he he genuinely sort of draws a line or, or draws a, a a causal link between the the drinking and the culture and 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 yes, it's drinking, but it's also the sort of you know the subterfuge where the players would all be hiding in the pub and they you know and, and George Graham would send his assistant manager down, he'd be like looking through the window and and um, yeah, it's it's that I think it's it's that kind of bonding. Yeah, it's, it's that well, kind he, of bonding thing that, that, that really... He, he said out. it when he, you know, mm. when he finished playing and the bit he missed more than anything was being with your mates. And he's one of those characters that, need, you know, likes the company of all... And it was quite heartbreaking when he sort of talks about... Talks about that. But yeah, the, uh, I mean... Uh, I mean, we'll go into it more, but just the, the, the stuff... With, when he ends the first chapter with, yeah, so it was really good to have Merce and Tony Adams as my... <laughs> as my mentors. As, people, as, as my mentors, the people to look up to. Yes, but I, I, I completely... That's it. He makes a point, doesn't it, go on. No, I, 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 no, you go. Go on. My point was not good. Well, he makes the point, doesn't he, that he's... He seemed to be able to recover from being, <laughs> being drunk. He seemed to have prodigious... Physical fitness, stamina, running power. He had really powerful. He was a powerful runner, wasn't he? Strong, <laughs> great muscular thighs. He could pound around the midfield all day long, even if he had had ten pints of Guinness a few days before. And the book opens. The book's written uh, in in uh, collaboration, isn't it, with Amy Lawrence? And, oh, is uh, it really? She's done a great job as a uh, great job as you would expect. Um, and they open with the opening chapter is about the 2002 season, which is the pinnacle of his career, really, where they won the cup, where he scored a stunning winning goal against uh, Chelsea. Well, the opening goal of a 2 0 win against Chelsea. And then four days later, they went to Old Trafford and won the league. Arguably the best day at that point that we'd ever had as Arsenal fans to clinch the double at Old Trafford with a much hated United side and Ferguson and the whole thing uh, <laughs> was really epic but he'd been told not to have a drink there was to be no celebrate no alcohol celebration after that Chelsea Cup final and 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 Wenger saw him with a beer and said Raymond no drinking oh yes boss of course not boss and then after that he went out and got absolutely hammered <laughs> out all night and then on the on the Monday, he someone saw someone. Now oh, come in and have one, Ray, to the social club where pints were two quid or something, where he'd always gone all his life, and this kind of working class Essex background in Romford. And he had ten pints of <laughs> ten pints of Guinness in there. <laughs> he's got about he's got a bounce back from a serious lack of sleep and alcohol abuse, and turn up and play against that Man United midfield at Old Trafford and bossed yeah. it. Bossed it, man of the match. <laughs> Won the double. And then Arsene Wenger said to him, pulled him to one side and he thought he was going to be in trouble. Every time in the book, every time a manager pulls him to one side and thinks he's going to be in trouble. Like he's always got something that he thinks, oh, cool, does he find out about that? And he pulls him to one side and says, you were absolutely fantastic, Ray, and you know why? Because I stopped yeah. you having that beer after the final. <laughs> He's basically gone and done your weekly wine shop, Oliver, and eaten all the dogs. Oh, yeah. Well, is there, I, like that, I think, I mean, we could probably all, you could probably all choose. Your, 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 I chose my two favourite, like, like, lines from it. And, and I mean, I really do, you know, it, it's it's so, it's such a, I mean, 
particularly compared to the to the uh, you know the the Henri book that I that I read for this before. You know, it's fair to say I think he was he was you know less perhaps less troubled by the Dark Knight of the Soul. Thierry <laughs> 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 Henry was, but my my two favourite bits uh, are you know, the one that I think they're they're away like it's a training session or whatever, and and, and uh, Grimondi says, "Oh, you guys, you you know, there's the sort of they're, they're starting to talk about the bit of the French and the English split." And um, and Grimondi says, "Oh, you know, I'll, I'll come out with you guys for for a drink, you know." And, and part of this, I don't know about four or five of them go out, and, and Parler goes to the bar and he says, "Can I have thirty five pints and a small glass of wine?" <laughs> thirty five pints of lager on the bar, for five of them, and a glass of wine. <laughs> a glass of wine for Grimaldi, uh, which I which I which I loved, and and the um, the other one I really liked was was the the wind up he did when it was Keown's Keown's like last game. Oh. Oh, super. and um, he needed to, he needed to play like ten games to get his medal or whatever, and and um, I think Wenger had been bringing him on with like five minutes to go throughout the course of the season, and and um, and they're all sort of like you know warming up, and then uh, he takes his tracksuit off and starts like running down, and Keo's like oh yeah, and Wenger's like, that is so doing? brilliant. <laughs> so it's two thousand and four. It's the last so game again against Leicester. Leicester yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, which we had to not lose, and we were one 0 down at half time. Keown was on the bench and needed the tenth appearance, but Parler had said to him, "He's going. He's not going to bring me on. He's not going to bring me on." And Parler had said to Keown, "Go and warm up in front yeah. of him. Warm up in front of him." So he takes off his tracksuit bottoms and he's warming up in his shorts. And Wenger's going, "I can't see the game, Martin. It's, good. it's a really important game. It's two one up. If Leicester nick a goal, yeah. and we end up losing the wretched thing." So. I didn't feel like I had to be honest that that was going to happen. But anyway, I can't see the game. At which point, Parler then compounds the wind-up by stripping off to his kit and running up and down next to Keown. <laughs> Telling him. And, and Keown supposedly went and pretty much assaulted Arsene Wenger, got him round the neck. And, and after the game, Wenger pulled him to one side. And of course he went, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. What have I done? <laughs> What did you say to Martin? He nearly killed me. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he puts in a book, maybe I went too far. <laughs> they, joke, they joke all the way through about how winding up Martin Keown was a major preoccupation. Yeah. Keown, no, no doubt, winding up Keown was the best possible thing for Well, I love the, that, the Stepanov story is a prime example of that. And Dennis, <laughs> Dennis saying what a great yeah. defender Stepanov's was, just to wind up Keogh. They're all going, <laughs> they're all saying it. It's what Keogh thinks he's going to lose his place in this big Latvian or whatever he was. I can't remember Lithuania was it anyway? And they, it was apparent that he wasn't up to it, or he wasn't. He was a decent player, but not the. We had the highest standard of centre backs. Yeah, we Tony Adams on. <laughs> not up to it. But Bergkamp's going. Oh, let's go into Arsenal. This bloke's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. And at one point, he misplaced a pass, but it still went to a, someone on his team, and they all applaud. What a ball! So they're all. <laughs> anyway, they give him a four-year deal. Uh, I love the bit he mentions when he scores his first goal. You know, he's a young. He's, he played at Liverpool and on his debut at Anfield and gave away a penalty. I don't know if you've seen that in your. I remember uh, it very back. well. It's one of the worst tackles. I mean, it's a, you know, Liverpool got a lot of penalties at Anfield, which mm. possibly wouldn't have been given if they'd been playing away. But this one, they could have had two penalties. <laughs> it was such a bad tackle. But <laughs> uh, we, we lost that game, and he felt awful about that atrocious tackle. 
then he played away at Wimbledon and George Graham put him kind of up front playing just behind Ian Wright although of course the attack then was Ian Wright so he just had to give it to him I was priced at 33 to 1 to score the first goal I phoned my brother up Jim put us a bet on (laughs) there she goes so Jimmy comes along with my dad I scored in the 37th second of the game and uh, and Ian Wright was in the clear but squared it which is an extraordinary moment I mean, he, he was quite a narrow angle and he, and Parler was unmarked. He squared it and Parler had a tap in. I remember running around in celebration saying, I won 330 <laughs> quid. He, I, had doubled, I had doubled my wages. <laughs> it's a great read, actually, isn't it? It's a, the only, it's a bit sad, the stuff about the 98 World Cup and Eileen Drury and all of that yeah. stuff. I, uh, I mean, that's yeah. the thing. There's two... Two jokes with England managers that really backfired. Uh, Gareth Southgate and Glenn Hoddle. Cause did the uh, yeah, one with yeah. Gareth Southgate when he took over. So uh, who did Gareth Southgate take over from at Borough? Anyway, he, he sort of has this big meeting, calls everyone in to try and sort of like really impress upon them that he's now the manager. Um and uh, and you can understand why he's doing it because he was their friend, he was a fellow player, and he had to say, right, this is me, I'm the manager. Don't call me Gate anymore. Uh, you have to call me Boss or Gaffer. I don't mind if you call me Gareth by accident, but call me Boss or Gaffer. And Ray Parler goes, what about Big Nose? <laughs> 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 and he never plays oh. for Borough again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that that's one of the joyous things about the book is his, just how funny he is, how sort of lighthearted everything is about him. And you can see why Arsene would love him around the club and you can see why Arsene loved him. Um, but it's just sad that those two sort of like jokes kind of backfired on him it sort of put a stop to his borough career and it you know he and the england thing well the interesting one about the the eileen drury one where famously he had a calf strain and he said to gary lewin i've got a calf strain i think i'm out he was gutted he wanted to play as england were playing a friendly i think and glenn hoddle said i'll go up and see eileen drury and he went up to see eileen drury sat down and uh, he had long hair at the time and he said short back and sides please and he said she laughed about it and her husband uh, her husband who was who was also hanging around the place as well with Eileen uh, was quite happy to go in the bar and have a few pints with the players and he thought it was mm-hmm. hilarious everyone thought it was yeah, hilarious it is yeah. until someone um, someone let the the tabloids know and and the tabloids for, the, for whatever reason at that time just wanted to get the England team. It felt like you were yeah. fair game, and they weren't allowed to let off steam. They weren't allowed to do anything. Something that was obviously a joke that she took in the right way. I mean, it does point out in the book. He said, "If Eileen Jury could have cured my calf strain, or any other injuries of the other players, she'd be worth millions and millions to a football mm, yeah. club." Yeah. It was, and in the end, Hoddle got sacked. He was a wonderful footballer, good coach. He got sacked for making a ludicrous comment about disabled. Yeah. Anyway, it seems to me with Parler, the other thing I like about him is he gets on with everybody. There's nobody, there's nothing in the book about him squaring up to anyone or wishing he'd done it. I hated him and I couldn't stand him. He's just, just that sort of a yeah. bloke. He, he, even, he even likes Dennis Wise. <laughs> anyone who likes Dennis Wise, 
<laughs> it's got a, a huge tolerance for yeah. all the imperfections of humanity, really, isn't he? But anyway, why is he was such a character? Yeah. He goes, especially in the England card school. We used to play cards a lot, and we always used to clean up, beat Michael Owen and Alan Shearer. <laughs> he goes... All the Londoners always used to win the money, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, he goes through in the book as well. He does quite interestingly, I suppose, uh, the best team he played with. He doesn't put himself in his own team, unlike Eddie Hapgood, but he's, uh, <laughs> his team is Seaman, uh, Dixon, Adams, Bold and Ashley Cole. He puts ahead of Nigel Winterburn. Then Perez on the right, which is where perhaps Parler should be. Or Jungberg, but Perez on the right, uh, Patrick Vieira in the midfield, alongside Paul Gascoigne, is the only non-Arsenal player in it. Is Paul Gascoigne, Overmars on the on the left, Bergkamp and Henri up front, and then the team he played against. This is a hell of a yeah, I know it's quite Schmeichel good. Michael goal. Yeah. <laughs> Cafu, Cannavaro, Maldini, and Roberto Carlos. <laughs> Midfield, you're not going to get much change out of these two. Roy Keane and Steven Gerrard. <laughs> not Skulls, incidentally. Yeah. It's famously is a dirty player. Uh, Stevie G. And uh, and then, how about this for a line-up? Cristiano Ronaldo, Eric Cantona, Ryan Giggs and Alan Shearer up top. Fair. He says, I played against the likes of Oliver Kahn and Jean- Gianluigi Buffon. But Schmeichel gives it to Schmeichel. I played against Pep Guardiola and Philip Cocu when Barcelona gave us a chasing at Wembley. But you couldn't leave out Keane, could you? No, because <laughs> he's frightening. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I mean, some of the uh, it was a different time stuff is brilliant. I mean, I thought the the idea of Tony Adams and Ray, Pro- Ray Parler broken down on the M25 in Ray Parler's mini metro <laughs> stinking of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do if you came? Yeah. You wouldn't come across those, that these days. Those were the days, my yeah. friend. Yeah. What about the bit when they say to him, "Oh, when you first pick for the first team, and you got you got to do a speech. Um, you've got to do <laughs> yeah. a speech. Everyone does it. He's really young. He's eighteen years old. What shall I say? What shall I say? Tony Adams took him under his wing. They're both from out in Essex. He said, "Listen, just say it's great that it's great to be there. Thank you to the manager." Uh, I love Arsenal Football Club. Going to do my best. I look forward. I hope to play more games and say something like that. Oh, and don't forget, say something about the manager's clothes <laughs> and how good he looks. <laughs> so he does this little speech and he finishes it with uh, all the lads like your tank top. Which, <laughs> at which point he finds out. At which point he finds out that saying something nice about the manager's clothes. It was a joke. He wasn't meant to do that. George Graham's tank top. Uh, yeah. yeah. George Graham said, sit down, son. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sit it, down, the, son. The, the other thing about the manager, though, is, you know, he was saying about um, when um, when uh, Rioch took over and he said, oh, he came in and he kept, so he kept banging on about Bolton. And he was like, at Bolton, we used to do this. And at Bolton, we used to do that. And, and he was like, you know, we never really took him very seriously because we're Arsenal. And, you know, what you've what you've learned down there is like pretty irrelevant. And it, I, I do wonder whether, you know, maybe Emery felt, you know, was a little bit, um, felt a little bit guilty of that, you know, banging on about Seville all the time. Yeah. Or, PSG and but you know the the one thing that that he and, and I think he's he's lucky because yeah probably those two things you mentioned Damien with Southgate and Hoddle but you know it, he really he really emphasizes you know every manager you know and he was obviously played under 
under a fair few he really talks about the managers and how he got on with them and you know it, it really did make me think about um you know how important it was for the team spirit and just make you wonder about Emery's English you know maybe and I know he he learned and he got better but maybe that was a really disastrous decision just to hire somebody at, you know to to follow such a, a venerated person as Wenger with somebody who just couldn't communicate with yeah you know so many members of the squad yeah and it really yeah. reinforces how important that that relationship what is between the managers and the players yeah. I think that's right and he had this kind of token hire didn't he of keeping Steve Steve Bold on as yeah. assistant and didn't really sure what his role was because he obviously had his trusted team of of Spanish coaches he brought with him. Yeah. I mean, he, he would have been a dream if you were a manager. And I I, I yeah. love his relationship with Arsene. And, you know, and he says as well, what a, the timing was absolutely perfect for him. His career was at a crossroads. Was he 22, 23 when Arsene arrived? You know, there was this... When he arrived in 96, This yeah. drinking culture, you know. And then Arsene arrives and he buys into it completely and yeah and he makes a point in the book doesn't he that he might have gone the way of John Hartson and and Paul Merson who were mm. top top players but who didn't didn't carry on at Arsenal he also says in, it's quite an interesting bit in the book in 2000 summer of 2001 when Peter Reid wanted to sign him for Sunderland Steve Bold had gone up to Sunderland after he left oh, yeah. Arsenal and said to Peter Reid try and get Ray Parler and Parler was on 20 grand a week at Arsenal at that time um, fortunes of money really given that when he was an apprentice he was on £27.50 <laughs> and he used to round up all the apprentices free tickets oh, yeah. and sell them to a tout for the extra <laughs> 150 quid a week <laughs> so there he's on £20,000 a week I mean you can't believe it um, uh, Peter Reid offered him £40,000 a week to go and play for Sunderland who had a half decent size not the Sunderland who are languishing down the League One now this was a, a massive club with a good manager and a good side but he didn't want to go. He, he wanted to stay at Arsenal. Uh, Arsene gave him a big pay rise and kept him. And then and then we won the double. So that worked out quite well. I, it's interesting that with all these uh, books, the agony of the defeats they have. Mm. And it feels like there must be the same for any footballer that the defeats hurt so much. Of course, the successes then are all the greater because of the contrast of the highs and the lows, but he says losing to Galatasaray in 2000, they went to take penalties. I remember being in the stadium and the decision made on a toss of a coin, I think, at which end to take the penalties. And it was to be at the Galatasaray end, which was a seething mass of (laughs) volatility and noise and smoke bombs. And he said as he went to take his penalty, a smoke bomb was had gone off nearby and he says he could hardly see the goal. That's how he remembers it. Yeah. And he, he went up and, and smacked it. And in actual fact, it was the only one of Arsenal's penalties that went in because Schuker and Vieira hit the woodwork, didn't they? And, we, and then he talks about that agony of that defeat against Liverpool in 2001 where they should have had Honcho sent off. Yeah. And, and Michael, Michael Owen pinching it but then how that meant that they felt fired up for the 2001-2 season yeah i am um, the the i've got a few notes of just sort of like little things i remember the um being uh being a sub for a game at anfield going up to the well he wasn't a sub he was a sort of just a in the squad <laughs> 
Squad member, squad not member on the bench. On the bench. <laughs> what do you do if you know? He's young. I was young. I didn't know what happened. So you've gone all the way up there, but you're not involved in the pit. What do you do? And he went to the bar. Had four pints. <laughs> Had four <laughs> pints. <laughs> Between what? Half past one and, and half past two or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then being... they came and found him and said, you're on the bench and he stank a booze. <laughs> it was a very different time. Um, uh, also, he says George Graham and Ferguson used to get on really well and whenever they played Man United, George Graham was always late back to yeah. the coach because he'd been drinking whiskey with Fergie. Yeah, I thought... Um, Easy for Graham to drink whiskey with Fergie because Arsenal were better than Man United when when George Graham. Was there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, that that Hong Kong incident was a bit um, when he goes yeah. get sh- and then he goes, oh yeah, and my girlfriend was pregnant at the time. You go what? And he's been yeah, out in Hong yeah, Kong. Well, yeah, he gets involved. He gets arrested for brawling in the street. Yeah. And is told that he might face six months in prison and ends up with a three hundred pound fine. But the club hired a barrister at a cost of twelve thousand pounds <laughs> and made Parler pay for it. Yeah. So that was pretty <laughs> pretty hefty. He was fined two weeks' wages, which is amounted to eight hundred quid, but he had to pay the twelve grand. He's fined two weeks' wages so many times. I know. <laughs> it's like, how did you live, Ray? With, what, how did you live? With, with, you go to America, you get really fat. You get fined two weeks' wages. Well, with the divorce <laughs> and all the drinking, he would be a very rich man. Um, yeah. Well, he would be. Except his divorce yeah. is now. Uh, yeah, got, got yeah, that, that was really interesting. Great Parler versus Parler. What a great title. Parler versus Parler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because well, his wife managed to, his, his wife's lawyer managed to get a deal where she was entitled to a percentage of his future, future earnings. earnings. And that, yeah. it became a benchmark case yeah. for divorce law for years to come. And he talks mm. and tells the story of Bobby Davro calling <laughs> oh, yeah. at some event and saying, I'm, I'm losing a fortune in my divorce, and they tell me it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> It's not my fault, Bobby. It's not my fault. I'm gutted as well. I'm losing a fortune. We're all losing a fortune. Yeah, he should have got the Hong Kong barrister to get him out. But, you know, yeah. I, mean, I think compared to the Thierry Henry book, I think we can be pretty certain that Ray Parler kept the same phone number for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, so I've just got a couple of other things, uh, notes I made. I was absolutely surrounded by sandwiches. Was one that really <laughs> <laughs> where his room. And this is when him and Tony Adams went back to the hotel room, <laughs> absolutely pissed as farts, and he ordered about nine thousand pl- plates of sandwiches. <laughs> he was food. having to put trolleys in the bathroom <laughs> full of sandwiches. <laughs> and Tony Adams woke up in the morning. We yeah. hungry last night, right? And uh, and then. <laughs> Baldy had nine dinners as well. Was another oh, one yeah. that made me laugh. The eating competition. Yeah, Baldy. Oh. They had an eating competition on the coach. Baldy had nine dinners. <laughs> also, when they left uh, White Hart Lane in 2004, which is famously a difficult place to get out of, as we have discussed on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they pulled out onto Tottenham High Road. Tottenham fans started throwing bricks and all sorts at the coach, and all their dinner fell on the floor. Yeah. But um, unsurprisingly, they weren't bothered. <laughs> Yeah. It's a great read. Uh, the Rom for Pele, uh, Ray Parler's autobiography. If you're an Arsenal fan, you'll love it. If you like anything to do with football in the 90s or the 80s or England World Cup or all that, there's something in it. Uh, Amy Lawrence has done a really good job on it. Um, just this one other last thing, um, which sums up why, why we like Ray Parler. I think there was a chance in 2004 
that he could have had a testimonial with Arsenal, um, but he's on his way out to Middlesbrough, and they're only going to do one testimonial at the end of that season, and he he was the one who should be getting it because of his, he'd been there a long time, but in fact he gave his testimonial to Martin Keogh, and he said, "Martin, you go first. Yeah. You go in front of me." You know, and Martin Keogh was thirty-seven. He was retiring. He was his last. So just as his last kind of uh, act on the way out the door was he passed up the chance. He could have insisted on a testimonial, but he passed it up. And Keown had a testimonial, which was an absolutely fantastic event with superstars turning up from all over the place, including David Beckham flying in for Real Madrid to take part. And we'd just won the league unbeaten. And it was it became Keown's night when it could have been Pardew's night. And I think that says a lot about the romp of Pele. The nickname given to him by Mark Overmars. I know. Yeah. yeah. Who coined it in training and then said it to the press. Do you think we can win the league? He said, yeah, I think we can win the league because we've got the Romford Pella. (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yes. Very much enjoyed it. I think this might be the last Tuesday book club for a while. Mm. uh, Well, at least uh, not until Nicholas Bentner's book comes out. Nicholas Bentner's book will come out and Oliver and I will we'll convene uh, for that one, definitely. I have just placed an order on waterstones.com uh, not for Nicholas Bentner's book, for an autographed copy of Arsene Wenger's book. Oh, really? Uh, my, my, uh, yes, Waterstones have got some autographed copies of Arsene's book, which comes out in October. So I'm sure we will talk about that book. But uh, uh, next week on the podcast, we will be talking about Manchester City versus Arsenal, and and uh, and Brighton and Brighton against Arsenal as well. We will have actual matches to talk about. I can barely contain. Yes. Myself. Thanks, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers. See you Bye. later.